This is the Robert's Wish Podcast. Thank you very much, Hani, for joining us today on Robert's Wish podcast. Um, we're very happy to have you join us. So, as you know, it's you know we we discuss a lot about bullying, um, bullying with youth, bullying um, in in all areas of life. In fact, so my first question to yourself really is about you know your experience with bullying. Yeah, it's such a big question. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm excited about this conversation, Lisa. I think that we all have different experiences and how we really define what bullying is. For some people, a specific act or a specific phrase could be, you know, said to them and they could, you know, brush it right off their shoulders and they don't even interpret it as being bullied. And for other people that are just a little bit more hypersensitive to it or or more aware of it or in tune to it, the smallest thing can feel to them as an attack. And so when we look at that question, we really want to ask ourselves, you know, if we're looking at it as a parent, what type of child do I have? How does this child view specific, you know, situations? And so if I think about like my first feelings of being bullied, whatever it is, I have, um, I have red hair. And as a kid, no one really has red hair. It's not as common, right? As brown or black or even blonde. And as a kid, I was always made fun of for having red hair. Like, oh, you're like, there's always these like expressions like redheads are fiery and they're, you know, they, they're hot-headed or whatever it is. And like, I would always be teased for that. Obviously, not obviously, actually later on in light, I learned to embrace that. And I love the fact that I have red hair. It's like a huge part of my identity and it makes me stand out and it's different. And I love that. But when you're a kid, you want to fit in. You don't want to be different. And so, you know, something as simple as the color of your hair could be made fun of. No, I I, I agree. I mean, that's it's like, uh, you know, um, I've got I've got relatives who've got red hair who went through a lot of bullying as well and, and a lot of torment at, at school. And, you know, it's like a kid could bully me because I've got brown eyes. So what? It doesn't change who I am. I'm, I'm proud of the fact I've got brown eyes. But anything that's slightly out of whack or, or slightly different from, and I say this, in, you know, in, in with in the context of norm, you know, that norm, I, I don't like the word norm, but because norm is our social narrative. Yeah. Norm is what we grow up with. Mm-hmm. The social narrative that we grow up with where, you know, and that's where unconscious social biases come in. And that's where all of these like hate and, and, and disconnect and ambiguity. Those are things that are taught. There are these social narratives that are either consciously taught, like intentionally taught, or they're by default. They're just the way that the child picks up the conversations and the dialogue that the parents are having amongst each other, even subconsciously, like the way that the father rolls their eyes about something or the way that they respond to something that they just heard on the news if they're in the car and they're listening to the radio. These are all different instances that our children are picking up to create their narrative of what is normal in their eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, as we say, you're not born with with it. It's it's something that's that's learned. Yeah. It's a behavior that's learned. And, um, you know, I, we, we do a lot of work with trying to empower youth and, and just people in general to celebrate the differences. You know, just you've got red hair, um, blonde hair, blue eyes, whatever it may be. You, 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 
you should celebrate the fact that you might be a little bit different. You stand out more, and that's fantastic. But instead, it's so difficult. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the youth that I talk to, it's almost something to be ashamed of. I don't want to stand out because that means I'm, I'm an easy target. So... And I'm I'm really quite interested in the in, in the discussion about you know just something as simple as that simple as the color of your hair is a is often something that can um, that can start the, the the cycle of bullying. Yeah, and then it's also that becomes part of like how we define our self worth or something. So like for example, you know like you could like I'd come to the lunch table I don't know when I was in like an early elementary school and let's say there was no room at the table right now looking back as an adult there was just no room at the table. So I needed to go sit somewhere else. But when you're a kid, you define it as, oh, they didn't make room for the redheads today at the table, you know? So now I have to sit somewhere else. Like it's how we define it and how we're constantly measuring our self-worth against what other people are thinking about us. So that's just, again, just to continue with that specific example. But we, you know, there's so many different examples we can move on to and share strategies of how parents can empower their kids in that way. Absolutely. I think it, it does start with the parents on really educating their kids that being being that little bit different is not is, is not something to be ashamed of and to be proud of it. Because, you know, if that starts in the home, you know, that, that uh, self-confidence and that self-assurance can, can really help can really help the children at school and, and in their social environments as they grow up. Um, I'm interested, you know, the, the type of um, uh, experiences that you had, how did you, how, how did you tackle them? How did you deal with what you experienced? Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't consider myself, like looking back again, I'm like 31 now. So when I look at my childhood, I don't look at it as like being, you know, obsessively bullied or whatever it is. For me, it just, it felt like, yeah, sometimes I was an outcast. Sometimes I was the leader. Sometimes I was this. Sometimes I bullied other people, you know, like we use it, like when we you know, kind of get bullied for one thing. Like now we see that, oh, bullying people is a way to get power and, you know, and a way to assert my authority and leadership in my group of, you know, my social tribe. So then I, you know, then we start doing that to other people, not always, but, you know, sometimes we'll start doing that. So for me, I wouldn't so much look at my child as like, oh, I was bullied a lot as a kid. I think there were times that I was bullied, but I think I'm more, I, I definitely had a comfortable stance in my social tribe and my group of people that I felt safe and comfortable to be who I was with my friends. Of course, I had the social pressures and anxiety of wanting to fit in and be like my friends and changing myself to be like my friends. And we were all train changing, trying to be like each other, which is ridiculous when you look back at it, you know, later on. But that's like the natural cycle of growing up and adolescence and, you know, the uncomfortable teenage years. I think one of the things that you said that I want to actually touch on is when our kid comes to us and they tell us that they were bullied or whatever it is, our first reaction as a parent is to right away want to protect the kid and say like, oh, but you should be proud that you're different or it's amazing that you have red hair or, you know, who cares what they think that they wear that you wear glasses or whatever it is, right? Like that's our first instance. We want to empower the child. I actually think we have to start a step earlier. So I'll give you an example. Last week, my daughter came home. She's in first grade and she's in a new school this year. So for, for preschool all the way through kindergarten, she was in one school. And this year we switched her to a different school uh, for a number of different reasons, a better school for her. And we, we moved her into this school and she spent the summer in the school as well. So she got to know all the kids um, and she had a great summer. So I didn't think the beginning of the school year would be a difficult transition for her, but it ended up being a little bit challenging and she's still struggling a little bit. She came home one day from school and she said, you know, I didn't have anyone to sit next to at lunch today. Uh. And 
your first response as a parent is to why do we want to quote unquote, empower your kid. Like, oh, so next time, you know, when you don't have someone to sit to, go over to your friend or go speak to the teacher or go do this or go, like we really want to give them strategy, right? But what I've realized is that by jumping to give strategy right away to your child, you're actually judging them that they sat alone at lunch. Like, what do you mean you didn't know how to do all this stuff? Like next time you should do all this stuff, which means, oh, one second. So I didn't do the right thing. Like I sat alone, which was painful enough. And now I'm being judged by my parent that I should have known to do all these things. So I think that the first step is to actually sit in the discomfort with the child. And so I sat down and I held her and I said, you sat alone at lunch. That must have been really hard. And she just burst out crying on my hands. And now I have to sit with that uncomfortability with her because I don't want to judge her. I want her to feel that this is a safe place to be. And I said, and I was just quiet. And then she looked up and she said, I was alone. And now we're just sitting there and I'm just holding her. We're just sitting there. I'm stroking her hair. We're just like, I'm just, I'm sitting in that uncomfortability with her. And after a couple minutes, you know, she calmed down, whatever it was. And then I said to her, I said, you know, do you want to talk about some ideas of what we could do tomorrow at lunchtime? And she's like, maybe later. Right now I want to go play. And she went off to play and whatever it was and ended up being at, at bedtime. I ended up sitting with her and we ended up talking through some strategy. But the first step wasn't empowering her with strategy. The first step was telling her, you are enough, even though you were alone at that moment. You are safe here. I care about you. I love you. That is going to consistently reinforce that even if she's alone at lunch, she's still worthy. That's, I think that's incredible. I think, you, I think you're correct there. I think uh, that sounds like, uh, you know, a fantastic approach. It's not something that personally I've ever thought of, but now just listening to you and, and listening to how it, um, you know, how just sitting there with your daughter while she was crying and just, you know, sitting with her in that sadness and uh, how, how it's so hard. Yeah. Let me tell you, Lisa, because the there's, I don't do this all the time. I also fall short. Like my son said something else. And my first reaction, like he came home and he's like, someone grabbed my glasses off the bus. Right. So my first reaction was like, how come you let him take it off of you? You know, you shouldn't let anyone touch you or whatever it is like, and I'm getting all like, you know, now again, like I, I know what I want to do and I know how I want to show up as a parent. And so, and it's a practice, like this is something that I'm constantly working on, but our first reaction shouldn't be to give our children strategy. It should be sit with the uncomfortability with them. Yeah, that's, that's something, I mean, I'm really thinking about it because that's not an approach that I've ever thought about, but you know, even personally, I don't have children, but I've got a niece and a nephew and you know, my, my nephew's experienced, you know, difficulties and you're right. The first thing to you, you jump to is to try and strategize on how he could do better and but not thinking about you know just just acknowledging and and sitting with them to think about how it made them feel not not making them feel okay well next time you need to do x y and z you need to uh you need to go and tell a teacher or you need to tell him to not to be so nasty whatever he may be um but to actually just sit with them and to to let them know that it's okay it's 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 okay you know not to and also that they can come and talk to you even even more about it that you know i've never thought about it from another point of view that as soon as you start getting in strategy 
you you may they're never coming back to you exactly they're never coming back because they're like no okay, way well now she's just telling me what i did wrong um i should have done this i should have done that well i'm not going to go into a teller next time but to to just sit and acknowledge the situation and to to allow them to to feel to feel it as uncomfortable as a as an adult um or a parent or an aunt or whoever you're talking to it, it might make you feel it's really about trying to listen to them which is which is as you say it's difficult because i you know i Mike's instinct is to go down to that school. I'm not even his mom. To go down to that school and just oh, say, yeah. excuse me, but why are you picking on my nephew? You know, don't touch exactly. my nephew. Exactly. Because it triggers, we've all been bullied at different points in our life. And so when we have kids, it magnifies itself. You know, I have four kids and, you know, each of them are going to come. Well, one of them is a baby right now. It's not in school, but my three older ones, they're each going to have their stories and each, you, you know, as a parent, you're going to connect with your kid and different stories are going to trigger different parts of your own childhood that you experience, you know, similar things or like, you know, my three-year-old comes home and she's like, the girl on the bus said that my headband is weird. Is it weird? Like, should I not wear it anymore? She's three. And she's already like, oh my gosh, is my headband weird? Someone called it weird. So, so at three, right? So these things are starting so young. It didn't start this young when I was a kid. It started like in first, second grade is when we got a little bit like now it starts so young. Kids are so aware of their social surroundings um, and using these like big vocabulary and, um, and, and kids are just like, one second, am I weird? Like, what does weird mean? You know, how does a three-year-old know what weird is? (laughs) Exactly. Right. So it was like an older kid on the bus that said something to her. And now she's like, oh, my headband's weird. Uh, yeah, it's it's difficult because, as you say, it just starts. It starts so early. And, you know, you want to you, you want to by the time they get to school and they're surrounded by they're in those those situations where the, the bullying can really escalate. You know, you want to have, as you say, you want to have done the groundwork beforehand as well. Yeah. Because it's it's difficult, and even even taking through. I mean, I was bullied quite badly in, in school, in in high school, and it stayed with me for a very long time. But it, you know, I was very lucky in that I could, you know, vent mine into a, into a position of helping others who are going through similar difficulties and that type of thing. But then you you you, I've I've met a lot of people who who've been bullied in the workplace. So, you know, young adults in the workplace and also at home. I really want to drill this in. Not everyone gets bullied at school or at work. Some people get bullied at home. They grow up in a house with a lot of siblings and they get consistent torment and bullying from their siblings. That is also a form of bullying that as an adult, you have to work through later on. So it's not just about bullying in school, which is a very typical most. It's kind of where the conversation is most directed to like being bullied on the bus in the lunchroom in school um in the workplace or whatever it is but at home is also a place where kids can get really bullied by by siblings absolutely and and that's a that's a a case i've done some work with with kids who've been bullied by parents you know that's also true yeah you know at home why aren't you better at football why aren't you into gymnastics or whatever it may be you know and putting a lot of pressure on 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 the kids It's, it's siblings but it's also parents and and it can be you know parents don't realize that they're doing it. Um, I think I hope. In no parent cases. wants to hurt their kid. No parent but, wants to hurt their kid. But to to put pressure in that way on um, on on your child to to be something that 
you that you want them to be, but they may not want to be. Why, why aren't you better at football? Why aren't you better at this? Why aren't you better at maths? Putting pressure on them can 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 create a, a very unhappy environment for uh, for that child, especially if it's happening at home and at school. It's a double-edged sword. It's terrifying for the kid because there's no place that's safe. At home, he's bullied. At school, he's bullied. Where am I supposed to run to? And that's you know where we get unfortunate outcomes that we don't want to talk about. Exactly. That's where we, 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 we see some pretty horrendous circumstances and um, implications of that. And I think, you know, we, we that's why, you know, Robert's wish we... We're keeping the conversation going around bullying. We want to keep talking about it, keep talking about different people's experience, where we can learn from different experiences, but keep it talking because bullying is something that happens in everyday life, whether you're, you know, 5, 15, 20, 30, 40, however old, there's still a bullying circumstances that, that, that are going on. And we may focus, have, have the platform on the youth and the, and the parents, but we still do a lot of just, you know, talking about bullying in the workplace. We've, we've, we've spoken to a few people on that. Work, you know, bullying in uh, at home, uh, we've spoken to a few people on that as well. To keep that conversation, to keep the, the awareness going about bullying. Yeah, it's so important because the more that we talk about it, the more, be, because again, <laughs> I always say this, there's, um, there's, um, there's these things on the Waze apps now and different car apps where when you get out of the car, it reminds you to, you know, check the car for sleeping kids. Right. And I was talking once with a friend of mine who also has kids. And she was like, how could any parent in their right mind forget their child in a car? Like, you know, if you love your kid, you would never forget him in the car. And I told her, I challenged her on that. I said, you know, no parent consciously forgets their child in the car. It's, you know, lack of sleep, out of routine or whatever it is that, you know, ends up happening. But the minute you think that you're immune to something is where the danger zone begins. Like, don't ever think that you're immune not to leave your kid in the car, God forbid. Um, And so I put a lot of different reminders to always remember to check the back for kids or whatever it is. But the reason why I love what you're doing is to constantly keep this conversation going is don't think you're ever immune to bullying or that your family is, is, you know, bullet free, like, you know, bully proof. Like, you know, we never do bullying in this house or whatever it is. Like, it'll creep in at different moments. And we have to have these conversations so we can truly be aware how we're showing up as parents, how we're showing up as leaders in our community, how we're showing up in the workplace, how we're showing up as teachers and educators in our schools. The conversation has to be going so that we never remain complacent. Absolutely. I love that that last summary that you said. It's absolutely what we need to be doing. And that's what we want to do from, from Robert's Wish. And, and we, will, we will strive to continue to do in, which, in whatever way we can. Conversation, community platforms, our content is really about trying to empower and trying to make people, you know, make youth or, or even parents understand that, you know, it, it is something you can also talk about. Because in a lot of cases, um, it culturally, I mean, I do a lot of work with kids in, in, uh, in Chile. You don't talk about it. You, 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 you don't, you're not allowed to talk. It's something that you, you, it's, it's a taboo. You don't, you don't talk about being bullied. It's something that is, uh, is a topic no one discusses. It's something you put under the carpet. You, you know, you get bullied at school. We don't want to know about it. It's, it's a sign of weakness. And it's trying to, it's trying to explain to these, these, these young people and these young adults. No, it's not. It's a sign. It's not a sign of weakness, um, to be bullied. Um, not at all. But it's trying to, to talk to them about it um, and just look across the world and all the different events that are going on and the clear and, and plain today examples of bullying with people of power um, that's taking place in, 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 in countries today. 
it's, it's every, as you said, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. I think also what you're saying, like, you know, there's one takeaway or action step that anyone that's listening to this episode takes with them is that if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, when someone comes and shares an experience where they were bullied, where they, you know, were made to feel less than who they are, don't jump in to solve or strategize listen, lean into the pain with that person, um, lean into their discomfort and, you know, feel that discomfort with them because that will help them feel that it's safe to continue to come back and talk to you and they don't have to be judged for what happened to them. Thank you. I think that that is spot on. So I love that piece. So thank you very much for that. Um, We've loved this conversation, this chat. Thank you so much for, for coming on and talking to us. And I've loved your point of view. And I think it's something that, um, you know, our listeners can take and, and really use. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking, you know, again really soon. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Lisa, for your time. Thank you. Robert's Wish is an online community against bullying for both youth and parents. Visit www.robertswish.org.